Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Word of God. We're studying the book of Acts. Today is episode 233. We're looking at Acts chapter 7, verses 51 to 60. This is the end of Stephen's address to the Sanhedrin. He's been accused of blasphemy. And his defense is essentially a recitation of the history of Israel. But his points that he's making are that the people of Israel generally reject the leaders that God has sent, even the deliverers that God has sent. And that the people historically were most obedient when they were on the move following God. But now that they're settled in to the the land, and they've been there for a long, long time, but they're comfortable with the temple and they're worshiping the temple itself versus the God who the temple is supposed to guide them to. So let's read our passage, Acts chapter 7, verses 51 to 60. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit, as your ancestors did. You do also. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You received the law under the direction of angels and yet have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They yelled at the top of their voices, covering their ears, and together rushed against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him, and the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after saying this, he fell asleep. Well, Stephen's been going through the history of Israel, and he's not telling them anything new. All the people he's speaking to are very learned, and they know the history of Israel, so I'm sure they're wondering where he's going with this, but as it goes, they're probably seeing the pattern of disobedience, of rejection of the leaders that God has sent. And now he makes a shift from our ancestors, our fathers did this, to shifts it to you, verse 51, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. Well, he's laying it all out now. And he is saying that there's this history of rejection, and it's you, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts. Stiff-necked, that's uh, the language that God used against the people in Exodus 33, 5, when God said these these people are stiff-necked. Then the idea of uncircumcised hearts and ears, that's the whole issue of They think they're being religious because they're doing all the right things, but their hearts are far from God. He continues, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit. They're not following what God is doing. They're resisting what God is doing. And they harkens it back to history. As your ancestors did, you do also. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one whose betrayers or murderers you have now become. So he's been talking about the the history of rejection of the deliverers, and now he's saying that the, the prophets were abused by the people, and even those that foretold the coming Messiah were killed. 
So where do we see that? Not so much in the Bible itself, but in other non-biblical sources. Uh, it says that Isaiah was sawed in two under the king of Manasseh. Uh, Jeremiah was uh, forced to go to Egypt with a group of people at, at the time of the uh, Babylonian captivity and was allegedly stoned to death by the people. So many of the prophets were abused, even killed by the people of Israel. He's saying that that's what you've been doing. Your ancestors killed the ones who foretold the coming Messiah. Then you're the ones that actually killed the Messiah himself. Verse 53, you received the law under the direction of angels, yet have not kept it. So this is uh, poking them in the eye big time. They accuse them of being lawbreakers. They, they've been accusing him of speaking against the law. He's accusing them of actually being guilty of that. So question here is, in the earlier encounters with the, the Jewish leaders, Peter was speaking, he always kind of give them an invitation to repent and receive Jesus as Savior. Stephen didn't get that far, and we don't know if there's an intention of that, because this is where they're not going to hear anymore. So verse 54, when they heard these things, they were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. So they're not going to give him a chance to give an invitation invite them to repent and know Jesus. He has poked them in the eye too much here. He's accused them of being the lawbreakers. He's accused them of blasphemy. He's accused them of killing the Messiah. So verse 55, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Interesting things to, to note about this is if we look back in the gospel, when Jesus was standing before the Sanhedrin in Mark chapter 14, verse 62, well, just before that, the high priest asked Jesus, are you the Messiah? In verse 62, I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. So, this is the same kind of language. They, they've heard this before. And here is Stephen saying, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Interesting, uh, Stephen uses the term Son of Man. It's the only place outside the Gospels in the New Testament where you see the term Son of Man. And the only place where Jesus is not using it. Because Jesus was the only one who described himself as the Son of Man. But here Stephen does. And I think he's probably quoting what Jesus was saying when Jesus stood before the Sanhedrin. Now, some people want to make uh, something of this, the fact that Stephen says that he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. We don't really see the idea of Jesus seated at the right hand of God. God on his throne and Jesus at the right hand of God on his throne. But here he is standing. And I don't know whether should make anything of it or not, whether that's just the, the word he used, meaning basically in the vicinity of, or literally standing on his feet. And, and some people want to make something of it and say, well, he's standing up. He's got, he was seated, but he's standing now to receive Stephen, uh, his martyr, into heaven. I think that's a stretch. The uh, Son of Man originally is seen in the book of Daniel, 
is uh, the Son of Man standing in the presence of the Ancient of Days, and, and that's the, the idea of judgment. And so we see here Jesus says, the judge. I don't know if we can make anything of it or not, but just note that uh, Jesus says he'll be seated at the right hand of God, and here Stephen says he's standing at the right hand of God. Well, this, this is uh, not going over well with uh, the people of the Sanhedrin. They yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together rushed against him. So they uh, stick their fingers in their ears, yelling, la, 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 we're not, we can't hear you, because he's saying words that they cannot bear to hear. He's speaking blasphemy in their mind. Then verse 58, they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Well, who's they? It doesn't say. Is this the Sanhedrin drags him out of the city and stones him? Or the mob? Because he's been brought by an angry mob before the Sanhedrin. I'm sure they're all standing outside. Now, it says they covered their ears and rushed him. That was probably the Sanhedrin members themselves. Now, did they just drag him out the door and say to the mob, he's a blasphemer, deal with him. And it's a mob who then drags him out of the city and stones him as a mob action? Or is he actually executed as a judicial action from the Sanhedrin? The uh, picture that Luke paints of this execution sounds more like a mob action because there's some rules you're supposed to follow. And maybe they did follow them because it says the witnesses laid their garments at at the feet of a young man named Saul. Well, point is, this is Saul who becomes Saul. So it's introducing Paul to us here who will be the primary figure in the good portion of the book of Acts. But the witnesses laid their garments. The witnesses are taking their outer garments off to provide more flexibility for flinging stones and and killing Stephen. The way an official execution is supposed to take place, you, you go to a wall that's about 12 feet tall, and it's supposed to be the witnesses who start the execution. One witness then pushes the accused, after he's made a confession, off of the wall. Well, there's rocks down below. It's only about 12 feet, but you could very well be killed from the fall, injured at least. And so if uh, if he died from the fall, that's fine. If not, then they, somebody goes down and turns him over onto his uh, chest, so he's lying face down. And then the other witness takes and rolls a large, as big of a rock as he can physically move, and rolls that rock off of the wall to drop down and crush the accused. And that should finish him off. If it doesn't, then everyone else can join in and and throw stones to to finish him off, because the witnesses are the ones who are supposed to actually begin, at least, the stoning to death. So it says the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. But it doesn't sound like they pushed him off a wall and dropped a big boulder on him. It sounds like more they just dragged him out of the out of the street and they're trying to kill him with rocks because in verse 59 we see while they were stoning Stephen he called out Lord Jesus receive my spirit well we heard Jesus say something like this on the cross but it's also it's a quote from Psalm 31 verse 5 and it's actually part of a bedtime prayer that uh, young children were taught about Lord receive my spirit Then verse 60, he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after saying this, he fell asleep. And this also is a 
harkens back to the, the death of Jesus as Jesus prays not to hold this, this sin against them of those who are executing him. So you see Stephen presenting the gospel. Stephen presenting the gospel in a rough way. He's basically challenging them. That, But then he's, he's in a very unique situation. He is in front of the religious rulers of the Jewish people. And these are the ones who condemned Jesus to die. And these are the ones who've been persecuting the, the Christians so far. His defense isn't really a, I'm innocent. His, his defense is, you guys are guilty. And he doesn't even get to say, but you can be forgiven. Because part of his uh, recitation of the history was, with the rejection, there's always a follow-up chance for deliverance. Joseph was rejected initially by his brothers, but later he becomes their deliverer. Moses was rejected initially by the Hebrews, but then becomes their deliverer. Jesus was rejected by the Jewish people, but he can be their deliverer. And so he never got to the point of, he can be your deliverer, before they interrupted him and killed him. We will probably never face anything like that, but we will have opportunities to share the gospel. And there's no one way to share the gospel. It depends on who we're sharing the gospel with. Depends on the situation. Depends on their background. So often it does take some dialogue to understand who this person is, what their background is, what their issues are, and then tailor the defense of the gospel to that particular person. It's not just a a canned, this is the gospel, take it or leave it, but the gospel is for everyone, regardless of the situation. And so a lesson for us is... um, None of the presentations of the gospel we've seen are identical. They're tailored to the situation. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the book of Acts.